Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. How beautiful were the baptisms. Congratulations to each and every one of you. We said to Pastor Steve there, you've got to hustle because there's oaks coming forward to get baptized spontaneously. It was beautiful, beautiful time. And welcome to Edenville. Uh, Edenville is joining us. We're live streaming to our Edenville campus. So turn around and say, how's it to Edenville? Give them a, give them a, a wave, a, a friendly wave. There we are. Welcome, Edenville. Good to be together. We are one church in many locations, and we are, aren't you happy and blessed for the fact that technology allows us to do all of this stuff? It is just incredible. And so welcome to it. Carol's is happening next Sunday, as Cole said. Uh, you know, somebody said something to me this last week, and I want to I share the statement with you, because every now and then, somebody might say something. You know, in fact, Pastor Trevor Hudson said his life, his whole life has been shaped by certain statements, certain certain sayings. And this one was one of them that landed. He said, he said to me, he was talking about a, a different context. He said this. He said, a bullseye is as good as a miss if you're aiming at the wrong target. And I thought to myself how in life it's so easy for us to aim at the wrong target. Aiming at the wrong target is being inwardly focused. Aiming at the right target is being outwardly focused. And so what's so important for us at this time of year, Carol's is always a time when our church reaches. We're, we're a reaching church, and Carol's is uh, next to Easter, probably our biggest reach moment. Can I encourage you to invite family and friends and, and um, bring them to Carol's? And it's always a time that, that many people are open to uh, Christ's message. And so on your chairs, you'll see the little flyers. Also, on there is a little QR code. That's so that you can skip the queue and register and guarantee your seat. It's gonna be packed out, it always is, and we've added a 5.30 p.m. service in Boxburg as well. So Edenvale, you've got 8.30 and 10.30, Boxburg 8.30, 10.30 and 5.30, um, but make sure that you guarantee your seat. The why you wanna connect online and book your seats online is so you can get your family and friends in and get a seat and make sure that you've got the best seat available. So I wanna encourage you to do that. Come on church, let's reach, amen? Can I get some amens? And the better you respond today, the sh I was going to say the better you respond today, the better I'll preach. But it's okay. Some of you are, some of you are into the short time. It's fine. That's, uh, I'm okay. I won't be offended. Soon I'm like chicken. You don't get offended easily. It's fine. So Carol's a great time to reach. You know, Pastor Ken and I have got this uh, thing that we do on our kids' doorposts um, uh, of their rooms. Uh, what we do is we put little markers down every six months or so of their height. So the kids stand against the door and we measure them and then we put like a little star there and then we write down uh, the time. So it's Caitlin you know, June 2022 and that's her height. And then six months later we measure them again. And of course, the, the remarkable thing is just to see how much they've grown. Those of you who parents, maybe you've done this and you, you get to see how much your kids have grown in that time period. Uh, and the thought came to me that, you know, every day our kids, when we kiss them to, and go to bed at night and they wake up the next morning, they've grown in that, in that time that they've been sleeping. But it's not discernible. It's not noticeable. We're, we're, I don't wake up and go, gee, Kate, you've got taller today, you know. But over the time period, you get to see that they've grown. And um, my thought for us today, and what we're going to unpack for a few moments, is simply this, is that we grow at home. 
And we've been in a series, and we've called it This Is Home. It's vision offering season. It's a season where we celebrate this home, and we build this home as a church, and this is our spiritual home. Um, and we grow here. And today we're going to talk about how to grow at home, how to grow in this house. You know, you can come and you can not grow. You can come and just kind of park off. Or you, you, each one of us, we can make a decision to grow. Each one of the 11 people that got baptized today, they've taken a step in their growth journey. So can I ask you, Edenvale, would you stand with me? Boxburg, come, let's stand. And that includes you if you're from Brackpan or Springs. Edenvale, it includes you if you're from Bedford View, Meadowbrook, even Primrose. Primrose, stand to your feet right where you are. Brackpan, are you standing? Brackpan, are you representing today? There we go. You see, they always do. Come, let's take a moment, and we're going we're gonna to talk today about how we grow at home under the Word. And so come, let's stretch out our hands to heaven, our hearts to heaven. Maybe we'll put your hand on your heart, and let's just say to the Lord that we're here for Him to speak to us. Lord, here we are in these moments. Speak to us. Let your Word shape us. Lord, let your Word be the thing that shapes the architecture of our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd speak and come and speak to each of us individually. I pray that we would operate each one of us from a point of revelation and that you'd impart something to us today of value and change the way we see growth, we pray, Jesus, in your name. And everybody in Edenvale and Boxburg said... Amen, amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a seat. Read an interesting story the other day. The story was about speeches that launched movements. Speeches given by people that actually launched movements. In 1942, um, England was in the middle of the Second World War, but England also had... Um, I guess, power over jurisdiction over India. India was a British colony at that point in time. And in 1942, as England had to ramp up their efforts in the world, Second World War, they, they dragged India into the war as well. And that single act spurred a very strategic set of events. The first of which and the main of which was for Mahatma Gandhi to deliver a, a, a well-known, what's now become a classic speech, and it's called Quit India. And it was a speech about how India was to quit the English Commonwealth, of how India was now to begin to press for and, if needs be, resist strongly against colonization. And that speech was given in 1942, church, and it, it began, it launched that movement. By 1947, India was an independent country. It launched a whole movement. In 1964, our very own Madiba delivered a speech at his Ravonia trial, his trial for treason, in, in what's now known as the Ravonia trials. 1964, he gave that speech. That speech was the, the beginning of the avalanche of the resistance to apartheid. It too launched the anti-apartheid resistance and movement. My point is that speeches launch movements. Did you know that there was a speech, but because it's in scripture, we'll call it a sermon, because that's actually what it was. There was a sermon 
that launched a movement, that launched the church, that birthed the church. The apostle Peter was the one who delivered the sermon. And we're going to find ourselves in five or six verses today. Uh, I was going to do all 20 verses of the speech, but I figured it's the 26th of November. You've had a year. I've had a year. Oxtails in the oven. Let's do six verses. <laughs> Are you up for it? Yeah, we'll, we'll unpack it. We're, we're talking about the power of preaching. We're talking about the power of teaching, but the power of the preached and taught word in our lives. Check what it does when Peter unleashes it. Acts chapter two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions, Ferraris and Lamborghinis. They sold houses at the Vol and at Hodebiasput. <laughs> to give to anyone who had need. Look at the person next to you and tell them, I'm in need, brother. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Just have a look at those underlined words. We've underlined the words teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. The early church, like all churches, was and should be devoted to primarily four things. To the teaching of God's word, to being together, community, life groups, to communion, remembering Christ's work, and to prayer. They were devoted to those things. Are you with me? Now, this word devoted, the the Greek word for it is proskaterio. It's the only Greek I'll pull out for you today. Okay. Breathe deep, say proskaterio, and we're done. Okay. You can even say it's Greek to me. I don't care. One word, proskaterio. What does it mean? The English word devoted is is very hard to to describe. Um, The best way I can describe it is is like a a, a coal stuck to another coal. It's attachment, it's joining, it's stuck to, it's it's clinging to. Um, If you've ever had a clingy child, a child that that wants, uh, you know, a toddler that clings to your leg, you know, when you try and walk and you're dragging the the toddler around like this, because the child's devoted to you, it's proskaterio to you, it's attached to you, it's got its arms around you. Are you with me? The early church had their arms around prayer around communion. They had their arms around being together. They had their arms around the teaching of God's Word. So that's what it means to be devoted to. It's to be devoted to your cause. It's it's like a Liverpool fan in the the doldrums of Liverpool's uh, time. And then Liverpool emerged and and they were devoted in the good times and the bad. (laughs) It's like Man United fans at the moment. You remain devoted, don't you? because you don't just ditch your team. It's like when we rub the English face in it when we beat them at Twickenham by 14 points. I said 14 points. 
at Twickenham. Noses in it. That's being devoted to your team. Are you with me? Stuck to our team. The early church was devoted to these four things. But the foundation of it, the thing that, that, that laid the foundation of, of it all was the very first thing mentioned. What were they devoted to first? The teaching of God's word. You and I must never allow ourselves to get into a rote atmosphere when we come to church. Yeah, we pull into church and yeah, coffee's on the deck and we worship a little bit and sleep our way through half of the sermon and then go home. Because God's word, they, they devoted themselves to, they clung to it, they stuck to it, they, they attached themselves to it. They were like, like leeches, they just, you know, they stuck on it. The first thing, that, here's the thing, the devotion that informed all the other devotion was the devotion to God's word, to the teaching and to the preaching of God's word. It, it was so powerful. I want you to notice, Peter, gave, this was the closing lines of, of the sermon. But at, because of this message, because of the sermon, like literally at the end of this, the whole, the early church got birthed. The book of Acts is all about the birth and the growth of the early church. I want you to notice today. Now, if you grab a hold of this, I think it's got the power to revolutionize the way you think about the preached word. The preached word of God birthed the church it sustained the church, and it sent the church, okay? Now, you might say, that's nice, it's the church. The same thing is true in our own lives personally. The preached word of God is the thing that God uses to create and spark things in our lives. Also, to sustain us in difficult times, and also to turn us into missional people. To turn us into people who don't just pull in and receive a message, but to turn us into people who invite uh, to carols or invite to Christmas or go and buy, I'm in the cafe and I'm ordering some food and can I add a Nutrigo pack to that? And can I contribute towards uh, uh, food packs for, for, the, for the month to help feed hungry people? You know, it's that, that uh, it's God's word that shapes the architecture of our heart and our mind. The preached words birthed and sustained and sent the church and it does the same in your life and in my life. And that's why it's so important. The preached word of God, the taught word of God is so important. It's almost like if I had to show you this little pot plant over here. If I had to say to you, hey church, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take an experiment with this pot plant. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna remove it. I'm gonna take it by the scruff of its neck. Uh, plants don't have scruffs of necks, I suppose. I'm, I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna rip it out of its container, rip it out of its roots, and I'm gonna replant it into another container. And I'm gonna do that each week. How many of you know that the plant is gonna struggle? I said, how many of you know that the plant is going to? Why is it gonna struggle? Because its roots are constantly being uprooted and transplanted into another atmosphere. Your spiritual life, your soul, my soul needs the nutrients of God's preached word every week, every single week. Not, not month end when we go shopping, then we, we go, no, no, I'm uprooting myself. I'm, uh, you, know what, you know what we do when we miss a week? We pull ourselves out and leave ourselves dangling for a week. Yeah. Then we come back and we say, why are we so sat? Why is our roots so not lacquer? Why are they so droog? See, Charlize, 
I'm number person 45. <laughs> do you think they're gonna give Sholly's entry? If she, if she had to come back to South Africa, do you? I think the immigration guy's gonna be, sorry, I don't understand you, I only speak English. Hey? Yes, it makes, makes me vus. Anyway, can I move on now? Let me just... Anyway, back to the plant. It needs its roots in the nutrients all the time, consistently, solidly, you with me? The preached word, the taught word of God, how to grow at home. Can I suggest to you the primary way that we saw from the early church's model is they were devoted. They devoted themselves, because the, listen, if ever anything grew, it was the early church. They devoted themselves to what? The taught word of God. Can I suggest to you and offer you today five ways, and, and you should take notes starting from number one, because point number five is to take notes, so I'll just spoil it for you right now. <laughs> but then you won't look like a mucho and go, you know, I should have been taking notes from the other four, and now it's number five. <laughs> yeah, number five ways. I've never heard a sermon on this ever before in my life, actually, so I figured maybe you haven't either. Five ways to receive teaching, the apostles' teaching well. If they devoted themselves to it, well, how did they devote themselves to it? What does it look like to devote yourself to God's teaching? Are you with me? Ready to go? Edenville, are you good? Ready to go. Number one, prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts. And I'm not talking about, oh, you had a fight with your spouse on the way to church, and so now your heart's not prepared. Actually, our hearts should stop to be, to be prepared already at the beginning of the weekend as we look forward to Sunday. Prepare our hearts. But what I'm talking about is specific heart attitudes. Um, attitudes, uh, heart attitudes of humility. God, I'm in this place. You're the creator. I'm the creature. Would you please speak to me? Uh, God, I want to humble myself under your word. I want to let you know that, God, I am under your word. I am, I am available for you to speak to me. Humility, it's so important, isn't it? How about some hunger, a hard attitude of hunger? God, I haven't come out of religion. It's not like the old days when the Enchiakak, the Dwemini, used to come and knock on your door if you went there at church that Sunday. There's nobody that's going to rock up at your house if you went to church on Sunday. You don't have to worry about that. Pastor Steve will phone you, but you don't have to worry about the knock on the door. <laughs> Edenville, if you see Pastor Mark's number coming up, you know why. No, we're not, we're not, we're not people of, of um, like legal obligation, are we? You're here because you chose to be here today. You're here because you want the Lord to speak to you. You're here because you're hungry to connect with the God in heaven who loves you. Hunger, yieldedness. God, here, here I am. You're going to talk to me about paying my taxes again. Oh, you know, okay. <laughs> Expectancy. I'm talking about heart attitudes as we prepare our hearts. Expectant. How expectant were you this morning? Or were you like, yes, let me just scrape in here. I came in during the third song. Pastor Steve was baptizing person after person. Third song. Can I say this to you? That's not being expectant. That's not being prepared. Yeah. Gone so quiet in this Mormon Anglican, Presbyterian church all rolled into one. Being prepared is being in church on time. When does church start? 8.30 and 10.30. Can I get some amens? Coming in during the second song or the third song, that's not being prepared. That's not being humble. That's not being expectant. That's being slack and slack. Is slack a word? I was going to mix it between slack and slack. It's being slack. 
Can I get some amens? That's, that's how you receive the word well. It starts with being prepared in our hearts, being prepared in our, in our personas, being prepared in our lives, getting up on time, getting enough time to get our kids registered into kid zone so that you're not, you're not in the queue like, you know, I wish I'd hurry up. No, 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 it's not their fault. We've got three check-in stations. You pulled in too late. Amy and the kids' church team are going, amen. Amy and the kids' church team are going, amen. <laughs> Number two, good way to receive the word well is not to compare preachers. Yeah. Uh, in, a, in any big church where there's, there's several people that are preaching, it's natural for each one of us. I mean, we're all people. We've all got people that we most naturally connect to. That's normal. Uh, what's no, and that's even fine. And that's healthy. What's not healthy is, is uh, trying to put a unique expectation on somebody who doesn't carry that unique thing. So each preacher's got their own unique flavor. They've got their own unique style. They've got their own unique grace. God puts a specific grace on every single preacher for what it is that he's called them to do. Are you with me? So I'm perfectly okay. Listen, Edenvale and Boxburg, I'm perfectly okay. If when Kulu gets up here, you go, thank God it's Kulu and not me. Anytime I get up and, and, and you go, oh, it's not Pastor Ken, and you start weeping t- tears of, of, of dec- de- decimation. I'm okay if you love any of them more than me. That's fine. Just don't expect me to be them and don't expect them to be me. Are you with me? Okay. So just allow the grace. Allow the grace that's on that person and receive well. Which brings me to number three. And that's important to listen to shepherds who love you more than preachers who want to impress you. Or even preachers who can impress you. Listen, any one of us, we can go online right now and get an absolutely hot message from the best of the world. You can go and listen to Stephen Furtick or Craig Rochelle. You can go and listen to T.D. Jakes. Listen, uh, <laughs> the sky's the limit. Information is at our fingertips. The point is they are shepherding their flock. And every pastor shepherds their flock. Listen, your primary voice, nothing wrong with listening to other messages in the week, nothing at all. But your primary voice should be the shepherd of your flock. Because Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. In other words, he had a specific mandate on Peter to, to, to have a flock, to have sheep. So feed them. Are you with me? Every pastor's got to feed their flock. The point is that somebody online that you're listening to, you're not part of their flock. Are you with me? So listen to the shepherds who love you because they will answer to God. I will answer to God for how well I've loved our flock. Are you with me today? Number four is listen to the message and not the method. So the apostle Paul, he wrote letters to the churches. You know, Paul, many times, he, he wanted to be with the churches that he planted so often. He like, it was like, oh, I wish I could get to Edenvale today. Oh, I wish I could get to Boxburg today. But either some drama, travel arrangements didn't work out or the Holy Spirit stopped him or he, he got bound in chains or he got shipwrecked or whatever the case is. Very often, Paul wasn't able to get there. In fact, many of his letters he wrote from jail. The point is, he was not physically in the room with them, but his message was conveyed via messenger. Are you with me? Listen to the message that God is speaking through the preacher of the day and don't worry about the method of it, whether it's live or whether it's streamed. Like now we're streaming to Edenvale, but there'll come a time next year where we'll be streaming from Edenvale to Boxburg and then from Boxburg to Edenvale or uh, there might be live preachers in both. The point is it doesn't matter. That's not why you're at church. You're not at church for a live preacher. You're at, at church for the word of God, the message, not the method, not the minister even. Are you with me? And the thing is, 
Churches that build the health and the strength of the church on the, on the minister or the personality of the minister have got a limited lifespan. Because what happens when that minister gets old? What happens when that minister uh, gets hit by a bus? You know? So it's the, method, it's the message, not the method. You all, being okay? Are you all okay? And number five, take notes and share it with others. And the reason I say this, it's not, listen, it's not a personal preference thing. It's not, this is not like, you know, it's, uh, let me share a story with you. On Thursday night, we hosted a very wise lady for dinner uh, on Thursday night. She's a friend of Pastor Trevor Hudson. She's out from the U.S. Very wise, very Christ-centered, be- just a beautiful presence. And, and she was in our home. And I, I found out halfway through the conversation that she writes formational material for kids. That's one of the primary things that she does. She writes formational discipleship material, how to help kids connect with the message of Jesus. She writes that. So my ears prick up, Pastor Anne's Ken's ears prick up like big time, and we go, as soon as there's a gap in the conversation, I say to her, would you be able to give me some pointers, some thoughts on how I could disciple my kids, Caitlin's 12 and Caleb's 9, you know, what do you think? And she gave us five minutes of absolute wisdom gold, like five minutes of at this age, this, this is how you could get them to connect with Jesus and some of the things that they're seeing and hearing on media, it was just, Sure. As soon as I could, I got my phone and I took down notes before any of it left my brain because how many of you have brains like sieves? (laughs) And then I shared it with Pastor Ken. The point was, here's the two powerful things happened. Number one, I've retained that information for when I need it because I've written it down. Number two, I crystallized it and clarified it in my mind as I transferred it to Pastor Ken. Imagine sitting under the most profound message that has shaped the world more than anything else and letting it pass you by. Doesn't matter whether the preacher's good or bad. Doesn't matter whether you're tired or not tired. The most important thing is to retain because God might be saying something to you. All okay? Now, here's the tension. There's a There's a problem to solve, uh, not a problem to solve, there's a tension to manage. The tension to manage is to do two things, two sides of the scale. On the one hand, it is to receive the message well at church, and on the other hand, it is to read the message well at home. Maybe I could say it's like to receive the message well in our spiritual home, that's what we've been talking about, and it is to read the message well in our physical home. You see, both are needed. You you can't pull into church once a week, sit under the word of God and hope that that'll last you Monday through to Saturday the next week. By the same token, you can't park at home Monday through Saturday and when Sunday comes, go, I've got my own relationship with the Lord. The, The scripture knows nothing about a personal relationship with the Lord. I'm messing with some of you now. Now you're going to go check me out and I'm going to go see this. Scripture knows nothing about a private, personal Christian walk. Everything about following Jesus is in the context of community. So we need both. We need to learn how to receive the word well on a Sunday. That's what I want to call the grocery store. You come in, you pull in, you get stock. Are you with me? You get produce. 
And then Monday to Saturday, you cook it. And you have your own meal at home. It, people who treat church like, a, like a, um, a fine dining experience, they pull in, they go, oh, what's on the menu today? Oh, I see Josh is leading. That's nice. I see Cole's leading into baptisms. That's nice. This is five, so far, it's five star. I see Pastor Byron's preaching. Okay, we've, uh, my Google review will bring it down to three stars. And then that's the fine dining experience. You know, people who have a, treat church like a fine dining experience, what happens is they become scrawl because they, they don't eat anything in the week. By the same token, people who become holier than thou and go, oh, I've got my own relationship with the Lord, uh, and, and we should be, and we must, and I'll share with you how we can read the word well at our house, but who never come to church, they become self-righteous and insulated and weird. You need each other, I need each other. Listen, I know the person next to you, they may not be the best looking person in this moment, I know that, but you still need them. And it's better than being at the shops on Black Friday weekend. Can I get some amens? I went to Eastgate yesterday afternoon. <sighs> Has anybody ever been to the mall on payday weekend? No, no, I'm not finished. No, no. Payday weekend plus Black Friday. I want to repent of this right now. <laughs> Shame Caleb, he wasn't happy, eh? I'm held, holding hands with him. We're walking through more. We've got stuff to do. I said, boy, we've got to get this stuff done. He goes, okay. Takes a deep breath and he walks in, you know. I said to him, Caleb, do you want to get something to eat? He goes, no. He says, okay. He says, Shame, can we go home? <laughs> I said to him, what, what are you feeling? He goes, it's very busy. <laughs> so, the point is, we need to receive the word well on a Sunday in our spiritual home, and we need to read the word well Monday to Saturday in our physical home. Can I suggest to you that there's, I think, one strategy that's perhaps most important about reading Scripture well at home? And that is to spend, I, I, wanna, I take Dallas Willard's advice on this. I haven't heard a better thought on this. I want to suggest to you that it's best to, this was his suggestion. I'm just relaying it. To spend 80% of our time in the Gospels. 80% of your reading at home in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you're wondering about a reading plan, I want to suggest that you maybe read Mark first. It's, it's shorter, it's full of action, it'll get you into the things. After Mark, then you could go to John. John has got the most of Jesus' words in it, that's why it's great. After that, you could go to Luke. Luke's got lots of the Holy Spirit, it's got lots of Jesus' miraculous power and the Spirit moving through the community. And then you could go to Matthew. Matthew's all about Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, speaks to Jewish people and makes the case for why Jesus is in fact the Messiah. You might say to me, that's strange. Why would I spend 80% of my time in four short books where there's the rest of the Bible? I'm not saying don't read the rest of the Bible. I'm saying make sure you do because it's critical to get the big story. I'm just saying that the mo if you and I are to become people who learn to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did, 
surely we should spend most of our time looking at what Jesus did, looking at how he responded, looking at how he lived his life. What were his rhythms? What were his practices? How did he do things? Why did he do things? Who did he respond to? How did he respond to them? What did he say at certain times? Um, How did he live his life? How did he go about his life? Are you with me? If you and I are serious about becoming followers of Jesus, the gospels are the predominant way to shape our minds and our hearts with Jesus. D.L. Moody was a, um, a preacher, and uh, he, we once had an object lesson. He said, hey, so, maybe he's talking to the church. He said, Inval, I've got this glass over here. How do I get rid of the air in this glass? A whole lot of suggestions came. One guy said, well, what you could do is you could suck the air out of this with a high-pressure vacuum device, like, like that. He said, well, that may well be, but that's going to have the effect of crushing the glass. We don't want to crush the glass. A couple of other suggestions came, and eventually he said, can I show you something? And he proceeded to share this lesson with them. He said, would you agree that right now this glass is filled with air? The easiest and the surest way to empty this glass of air is simply to fill it with water. Are you with me? Would you agree that it now has no air in it? It's got the air in the H2O, but it's, that's, it's got H2O in it. It's got the oxygen in, should I say? So too with Scripture. You and I can't suck sin out of our lives. Hear me today, please. You can't suck your old life out of you. What we can do is fill it with God's word. Are you with me? With scripture. And so, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus' life. It's so important that we receive the word well. How do we do that? I'm going to suggest to you, we prepare our hearts. Hey, We soften our hearts. We don't compare preachers. We focus on the message, not the method. We focus on, and listen to shepherds, predominantly shepherds that love us, rather than preachers who can impress us. And we write down and share what God is saying to us. That's how you receive the word well. But it's, equal, it's so important that we receive the word well in our spiritual home, but we read the word well in our physical home. How do you do that? Spend time in Jesus' life. Home is where we grow. Home is where we grow. Home is here. Quickly, just look at the person next to you. Just quickly. Just look and then look back. Okay. All right. <laughs> Some of you are like, that was awkward. Um, <laughs> now have a look at your second choice, the person that you, you dissed the first time. Just look at them. <laughs> the reason why I ask you to do that is, is as you look at them, that, this, is, this is family. Yeah. Right? But there's a vitally important theological question. Who gets to be family? I mean, is it the person next to you because they look nice, you think, okay, you can be part of Thrive? No. There's something theological that happens. Now, just a few verses before the text that I read to you earlier in Acts chapter 2, from verse 36 onwards, I want you to see, I want you to notice, I want you to notice who, 
who enters the family, okay? Will you hold that thought in your mind? Let me read the text to you. Peter says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Please notice the underlined words. I'm gonna come to them in a moment. And then Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And then down to verse 40, with many other words, he warned them, pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Church, the question that I'm asking in the moment is, is this is home, but every home has a family. Well, who's the family? I wanna suggest to you the family is firstly those who made Jesus both Lord and Messiah of their lives. Messiah means Saviour, and Lord means Lord, right? Like controller. The first criteria for being in the family is have you made Him Lord and Saviour? Saviour for your eternity, Lord for your life now. Jesus did not come, did not die and was raised again on the third day. He did not come for you and I simply to get to heaven. He came to take your life, turn your life upside down in all the right ways and to make your life a kingdom-centered life, a life that brings salt and light to the world around you. That's why He wants to be Lord of your life. He doesn't wanna control you. He wants to lead you to the best life possible. Are you with me? Saviour and Lord. Saviour and Lord is the first criteria. Peter goes on, and uh, well, Luke who wrote this tells us that when Peter preached, people were cut to the heart. It was almost like, stand up if you wouldn't mind, Joshy. Uh, it was almost like somebody took a, a knife and, or, and just in the heart like this. Oh, and they twisted the blade. It's like, oh, there we go. Thank you. I knew you'd give me some value. God's Word does that. It, it can be, when, when it's preached, the Holy Spirit goes, ooh, that's for you. <laughs> cut to the heart. And it's a cut to the heart that's surgery, that saves the heart, not destroys the heart. And then you'll notice the next underlined word is repent and be baptized. So repentance, Eden Bell, repentance is if you're walking this way, and then you go, this is what I'm doing. But you get cut to the heart. Oh, Aish, turn. 180 degrees. Who's in the family? Those who have made him Lord and Messiah, Savior and Lord. Those who have been cut to the heart, convicted of their own drama. Who've made a decision not only to, to forever live with that conviction, but to repent of it, to turn away from it. And lastly, he says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. It's, who's in the family? Those who've decided to live differently. To save themselves from this corrupt generation. To, to live a life different to the world around us. And when the world is angry, we decide to be love. When the world is unforgiving, we decide to be forgiving. Pastor Trevor Hudson preached a message recently. I don't think I've ever heard language like this. He said, practicing resurrection in a crucifying world. When the world is crucifying, we are practicing resurrection. Are you with me? So, who's in the family? Those who've made him Lord and Savior. Those who've been cut to the heart and go, oh man. Those who've repented and been baptized. 11, 
incredible folks today and in Edenvale as well. And who've decided to live differently. Let's take a moment and pray together. Come, every head bowed and eye closed. Here's my invitation. If you're in this place, in this room, in this moment, and you want to respond like those people responded, you say, I wanna make him Lord. I wanna, I, I feel cut to the heart. I feel like there's a change that's needed. There's a repentance that need, that's needed. I, I need to get baptized. I'm gonna do that the next time that comes. I'm gonna live differently. I'm gonna save myself from the world around me. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to respond on the count of three. I'm gonna ask you to stick your hand up nice and high, nice and proud. I'm gonna see you, say thank you, and I'm gonna include you in my prayer. I'm not gonna invite you up to the front. I'm not gonna make you stand up. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm simply gonna see your hand and say thank you. I'm acknowledging that you are making a decision in this moment to respond the way the early church responded. Okay, ready on the count of three. Here we go, Edenvale, Boxburg, hands up on the count of three. One, two, three, hands up across this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come, keep raising them so I can see you. Thank you, that's wonderful. Thank you at the back. Thank you down this side, that's awesome. Thank you, thank you. That's it. Let's take a moment and pray together. Jesus, Every single person that's responded, Lord Jesus, in this moment, what we are saying to you is we wanna make you Lord and Savior. We wanna trust you with our eternity. Thank you for your blood shed for us. Thank you for our sins forgiven. But we also wanna make you Lord of our lives, give ownership of our lives over to you. We wanna give that to you. Lord, we wanna say your, your words have pierced our hearts. We want to say that there are things that we want to repent of. We want to walk the other way in. And Lord, we're saying that we want to come out of this generation and live differently. Holy Spirit, every person that raised your hand right now, in this moment, Holy Spirit, fill them, empower them, enable them, have your hand upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.